Yeah, we've got a lot going on today. I'm excited for all the things that are happening. We're going um, to continue in Colossians chapter 3. I know you guys are shocked. But we, uh, <laughs> we, we've been in Colossians chapter 3 for a, a few minutes now. But um, the entire chapter, the entire chapter of Colossians chapter 3 shows us what happens when a person sees Jesus as he or she should and when he or she sees him in this light, they see Jesus in the proper light. We, this is what happens. We see what happens and how it affects everyday life. It affects relationships. It affects everything, actually. How we see our sin, how we see ourselves, how we see our marriages, how we see our children, how we see each other, how, we're, how we need to love and forgive one another, how we need to love and forgive our spouses, how we train our children up. We see every, every aspect of life in Colossians chapter 3. That's the reason I just, Colossians chapter 3 is probably one of my all-time favorite chapters in the Bible. And, and today we're going to continue in Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to see this idea of how it plays out, how we play out, or how when we see Jesus properly, it plays out in our workplaces. How, how we see Jesus will affect how we work, and how we interact with people that are um, employees and you as an employer. So we're going to see how that works out in Colossians 3 today. So let's pray. We'll open our time and just ask God to do what only Jesus can do in this morning. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to be in your house and to worship and sing praises to your name. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love for us. And Father, we ask that you would... uh, Father, there's nothing that I can do to impart spiritual truth without your Holy Spirit directly being involved. And Father, I ask that you would do that this morning, that I would step aside and it would no longer be Caleb Gordon that speaks, but it would be your Holy Spirit speaking through me through the pages of your Scripture. God, we thank you for your word and the power of it. And we pray all this in your beautiful name. Amen. So did you guys know that God set up and equipped people to be able to work? I know that that's, I know some, in the world in which we live, that's a shocking thing to hear. But we are actually designed by God. God designed men and women to be able to work. He equipped us to work. And I, and I know that doesn't necessarily cause in us a, a, a desire to say, you know what? Yes and amen. I like that. Uh, there's some of us that, that you hear that and you're like, work, work is not a horrible thing. Amen? Amen? Work is not a horrible thing. And I know that the world in which we live calls it the rat race. We're, we're called, it's called the rat race. But if we look at work through the lenses of the scripture, it will move from being a rat race and become a divine journey. I believe that with all my heart that it could become a pilgrimage that has a purpose and a mission. So I want to start, and we're going to start in Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 22. Bond servants, or employees, however you want to, we can just, we can throw 2020 on that. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. 
you are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want us to see a couple of things here this morning. We're going to go through a couple of different ideas. But God created us to work. Did you know? I, like I said, I started, that's how I started. God created you and I to be able to work. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 31, it gives us sort of kind of a, an unfolding of this. And it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image, after our own, our own likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In, his image, uh, in the image of God, he created him male and female. So just so you guys know, we're in 2020. God just said there's only two genders. Amen. There it was. Okay, we'll keep going. That's a side note. Um, he created them. Verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, subdue it, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds and the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with the seed in its fruit. You shall have it as food and to every beast of the earth and every bird and every hev- in the heavens and everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given you green plants for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening And there was morning on the sixth day. So God created all of everything. God creates everything. He created mankind to have dominion and to work the garden. We're going to see that here in just a minute. But he, he gave God, he gave man the dominion over the earth to subdue it. And that word subdue here. It comes from our understanding of what God has set up in place for Adam to tend it and to cultivate it. He said, I want you to subdue it. You've got to cultivate and you've got to work it. You've got to make things happen. God created and put in every human being a desire, a desire to cultivate. I mean, we just think about this. We got farmers in here. You see an empty field. You're like, man, I want to cultivate that thing and I want to work it. And what happens when you cultivate and work that empty field? Something comes out of him. If, 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 you're, if it's me doing it, you're not getting much. But some of you guys, have, God's blessed you in the area of farming, and you've been able to cultivate and, and create and bring about just crops of food. Thank you for that. We can eat. Thank you. So, but God put that in us, the desire to cultivate and to subdue a plot of ground. Uh, there's always there's that joke that's out on the internet right now, meme. It, it, I see an empty field. Let's put a Dollar General. Um, that's just, I mean, I, the people at Dollar, Dollar General, they just want to be able to put, um, man, they see an empty field, they want to cultivate that field and put a building in it. Why? Because God's put in every human being a desire to want to cultivate and grow and make something happen to, in the area of business, in the area of farming, in the area of everything. God's created us to have the desire to want to make something, to cultivate and to subdue. Yeah. That's why you see men and women in the marketplace, um, they, they create and they have these skills to do something and to meet a need. I mean, that's, that's the system in which we live. It's called the free market system. And, and we've got that, that that's, God's a free market capitalist. I know that, that's, that flies in the face of people in the world in which we live. But God put in us a desire to create, cultivate, and grow. 
He told Adam and Eve, he said, listen, this, I'm giving it to you, now subdue it, work it, make it happen. So when God placed that desire in you to have dominion and subdue it, that was created by God. Don't shun that or mock that. That was given by God for you to be able to do that. So God, God has given us the desire to work. God has equipped us to work. Let's look at Genesis chapter 2. We'll keep going in 2, verse 15. Now listen to this. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15 says this. Then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden and he told him to work it and to keep it. He didn't say be lazy and not do anything. He said work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you are surely, you surely can eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for the day you eat of it will be the day that you surely will die. And then the Lord said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make for him a helper fitting for him. Now, out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens brought forth to the man to see that he would, what he would call it. So he get, now he, now look, this is his job. I'm like, wow, amazing. Would that be a cow? Uh, llama, horse, moose. I like that one. All right. I mean, like that was his job. He gets the, he gets the name all the animals. That was part of his job is he gets to name all the animals. And the man, verse 20, then the man named all the livestock and all the birds in the heavens and every beast of the field. You think that took a minute? That took a minute. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord caused a great sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took out of his rib and he took out a rib and closed it back up and created flesh out of it. And out of the rib, the Lord God had taken from Adam. From it, he formed woman. And verse 23, it says, then the man woke up out of his sleep and said, what? He starts singing poetry. He sings his wife and he's like, whoo-hoo, this is bone of my bone. This is flesh of my flesh. He starts singing. Like, this is a beautiful, like he sees his, his girl and he's like, yes, her, I like her. This wool, man, woman, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and will cleave fast to his wife. And they will become one flesh. Once again, here's another biblical instance that God created marriage. One woman, one man. There it is again. These are just side notes for what we're talking about in the text today. But this is just a side note. God equipped us for work. He said what in the beginning? He says in the text, look, you are to, I'm going to put you in the middle of this garden. You're going to work. You're going to tend. And not only that, I'm going to give, I'm going to, man, Adam, I'm going to give you Eve. And you two are going to be partners. You guys are going to work together. And you're going to work this ground together. So God equips us to be able to work. He created the, the covenant relationship of marriage for men and women to be able to work alongside with one another and to create and cultivate together. And there are men and women who do that. I, I know you in this church. You work alongside one another in farming. You work alongside one another in your homes. You do things together as a unit. And God says that it is very, very good. And so this, is a, this, this reason... For this reason, work is not, not a, it shouldn't be a struggle. But here's the thing. When God equipped us and did all this, this was pre-sin in Genesis 1 and 2. 
In Genesis 3, here's the reason why work has become such a drudgery for many of us. Here's why work has become a rat race rather than a spiritual journey. Verse 3, verse 17. This is what happens. So Genesis chapter 1 and 2, there's no sin whatsoever involved in the world. Everything's harmonious. Work is easy. Work is a delight. Work is beautiful. And the marriage relationship, there's no work there either. Everything is perfect as it should be. And so this, and what happens next, this is the reason work is not a delight for many. Because sin enters the equation in chapter 3. And when that happened, work becomes burdensome. Look at verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 17. And then Adam, and he said to Adam, this is because he, they, they, they disobeyed. Remember the story? Eve was tempted by Satan. Satan said, hey, you should eat that. Because the day you eat of it, you're going like to become like a god. And she said, well, it is beautiful to look at. I'll take a bite. <laughs> Bites into it, looks at her husband, and says, baby, look at this. It's amazing. And he does what normal men do. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> he was designed to protect and, and, to, and to, to cultivate and make sure she's okay and okay and the garden's okay. And he neglected both of his duties. He didn't, he didn't tend the garden. He didn't tend to his wife. And here's, here's what we have. Now look what God says to Adam in verse 17. Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to, you sh- that I commanded you not to eat, cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the plant of the field, but the, by the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground. Let me bring the, pull this into 2020. You're going to work your face off. And you're going to sweat and you're going to hurt and there's going to be thistles and there's going to be thorns. You're going to get poked and ev- all of creation is going to war against you. That's what happened when sin entered the equation. Work was a delight prior to sin. Sin enters the equation. Now you work and mow your grass and guess what? And it grows back. And it not just look at the weeds. It's not just grass anymore. You got weeds in there. You got all the filth and nastiness or maybe some thorns. You work on your house and get it just where you want it and six months the pipe breaks and you got to start again and something messes up. You got to plow that field at all the time, you got to watch it, you got to tend it, you got to take care of it. And you're going to, you are going to, it's going to be exhausting to work. Like, by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. You're going to work hard to be able to eat. You're going to work all day, work hard. You're going to sweat, and it's going to be exhausting. Literally, you're going to work till you die. Selah. <laughs> Why? Why? Because sin enters the picture, you're going to have to struggle to work. Work is going to become burdensome because of sin. You're going to sweat, and you're going to fight this thing. Everything's going to fight against you until you die. So when seeing it, you're like, well, Caleb, that doesn't make me want to get excited about work. You said that you just read in the text where it says we're supposed to be excited to work. Well, I'm going to, this is what, let me talk, this is, this is what Christians should do. How should Christians look at work? How should Christians 
do work. How can the gospel redeem work? Well, I'm glad you asked. Verse, let's look at the first part of this. Number one, if you're taking notes, number one, look at your job as a blessing and be thankful for it. Look at your job as a blessing and be thankful for it. Now, I want you to, um, I want you to see in Acts chapter 17, verse 26, where you are working, what you're doing as a job, where you live, what you're doing is not an accident. Acts chapter 17, verse 26 says, And he, Jesus, made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined the allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling places. You are where you are because God puts you there. It's not an accident. You're working in the job that you work in. It's not an accident. The place you live, the house you live in, those things are not an accident. Well, Caleb, I made a decision. I did it. No, none of this was an accident. God determined. That's what the text says. He determined your allotted period. So how long you're going to live and where you live has been determined by God. So where you are is not a mistake. You are where you are for a purpose. You're a, you own the companies you own for a purpose. You work for the companies you work for on purpose because there's a reason. So because of that, because of that, what is the will of God for you? God's puts you in a specific space and a specific time frame. What's the will of God? How many guys have ever wondered, what is the will of God for my life? You've ever wondered that? Sam, you ever wondered that? I'm about to, hey, I'm, I'm not going to tell you. The word of God is going to tell you. You guys ready for this? Going to blow your mind. Get ready. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. Woo! Having an attitude of gratitude in the place where you work is God's will for your life, believer. It is God's will for you that belong to Jesus Christ. I didn't say this. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 did. Be thankful in just some of the circumstances, right? No, no, no. The text says be thankful in all circumstances. Yeah, I know. You maybe work for a monster. Be thankful for who you work for. Be thankful in all circumstances because this is God's will. When you have an attitude of gratitude in the office, in the workplace you're at, it is going to transform the atmosphere. How do I know? Because I work in a place where it's not necessarily always amazing. There's some people that are cranky. And I've made a determined decision. I'm going to have an attitude of thankfulness in the places where I go, the people I interact with. And I've been able to diffuse situations, been able to pray. I'm, I'll never forget. I worked with a guy on the phone. He was, I was in a conference call. This guy lost his mind on me. He was just having a, I mean, and normally he didn't do that, but he had lost his mind on me. And I said, brother, hold on, hold on, hold on. what's going on? Are you okay? And he said, no, I'm not Okay. Just found out my mom was going to die anytime. I said, well, we're going to stop this phone call. And we're going to stop all. I mean, there's other people on this conference call. I said, we're going to stop this conference call right now. And we're going to pray for your mom. I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you be with Bud's mom. You give peace and comfort. You guard her. You guard those doctors. You'd watch over her. You said, Caleb, you're a pastor. You're supposed to do that. At the time, I wasn't a pastor. I was just the guy working at a place. All Christians are called to make disciples and to live and to be salt and light in the world in which they live. We'll get, I'm getting ahead of my notes. 
But this, I mean, that's just one, th- like one, you can transform the, the entire atmosphere. The phone call changed after that. And he became one of my best, just great guy. Love him. Love the guy. He lives all the way on the East Coast. Got one of those thick, thick accents. Hey, Caleb, what are you doing? Well, hey, hey, man. But when you have an attitude of gratitude, an attitude of gratitude, your office is going to transform. The atmosphere is going to transform because that's what you're, you're there for a reason. What's salt do? Salt preserves good. What does light do? It dispels darkness. That's what you're called in the Bible. Matthew calls you salt and light. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to transform the atmosphere of your place where you are. Just showing off that you're thankful to God can put life in a different perspective for people. Live like, you're, live like you are thankful that God's re- redeemed and ransomed you. Like, here's the beautiful, like, you start to think about your day is rough. This is just a moment. Your eternity is secure in Christ. And your eternity, you're no longer under the wrath of God. You're under the blessings of God. And that should change our whole attitude, amen? All right, let's keep going. See your, that's number one. Number one was see your job as, what was it say? See your job as a blessing and be thankful. You're, making, you're taking notes. Thanks, Joe. Keep me on track. Number two, see your job as responsibility and be helpful. Can I get an amen from any of the employers? Nobody? All right, fine. Be helpful and be available. Whatever you do, what, what did it say in verse 23? Colossians 3, 23, whatever you do, work heartily, work responsibly, work heartily as for the Lord and not as for men. You're working for the Lord Jesus Christ, ultimately. I know you got maybe, you know, Chuck the, Chuck the manager is a jerk. Or Wendy the blowhard is a jerk. I don't know, I'm, I'm just naming names. If your name Chuck or Wendy, I apologize. That's not what I mean, but you know. You work for somebody that's a monster. No, no, no. You're not working for them. You're working for the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for the men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance of your reward. You're working for your inheritance now. The inheritance is coming later. Like this is the time when it's a struggle. But there's going to come a point when you're in heaven in 10,000 years, it's going to be like way better. The, the burdens of this life and sin will be lifted off of us that are in Christ. And that's half the battle. That's half the battle if you're willing to do something for somebody else. If you're willing to try to help someone else in their place. I mean, I, PJ, if you've got somebody that will be coming alongside you and willing to, to work hard and do whatever you ask them in, is that a blessing for you? I know that Tyler's, you know, you've know, got to really keep on him, but you know. But that's, I mean, that's half the battle. If you're willing to do something for something, like step out of, the, out of your comfort zone and say, man, how can I help you? That's one of the things, I, I'm not the best at what I do at my job, but I'm the most available. I'm, mo- I'm the most willing to do whatever. I'll take on whatever we need to be taken, whatever's taken. I'll have a happy attitude. I'm not going, Yo, darn it, you want me to do what? Oh, this stinks, I hate this. No, that's not how you should take your life. You should say, yeah, I'd be glad to help. Oh, you need help? Look. How can I help you? What can I do for you? What can I, how can I make this a better experience for you? How can I be the guy or the gal that does what is necessary to make this better for you? Don't make your employer hunt you down. 
Be the first one to step up and say, I'm willing to do that. Why? Because ultimately you and I are working for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not working for the man. We're working for Jesus. And when we're called, we are called to be imitators of Jesus. According to Ephesians chapter 5, we're called to be imitators of Christ. So if you look at what Jesus did, he oftentimes was available and was helpful. Jesus made himself available to people that sometimes didn't need to be just exhausting. To you and I, we would consider man, people just thronging to him, wanting, and he just made himself available. Zacchaeus, get down here. Let's, I'm going to go have lunch at your place today. And as a result, he was available and spoke life, and there was repentance that took place. You become available to your employer, and that could change the game. Change the game. So see your job. See your job as a responsibility and be helpful And one of the best ways you can do that is to make yourself available to people who need you. Like like my my phone number is on the front of this church's sign because I want to be available. And guess what? When my phone rings and I see 620 area code, I know that somebody needs something. Guess what? I can't wait to answer the phone. I love it. I'm like, hi, this is Pastor Caleb. And they're like, hey. And there's always, there's a need. And man, if we can help meet a need in this world... That's what we're here for. Amen? Like we're here to help. We're here to make, meet needs. We're here to share the gospel. That's the point. And lastly, lastly, this is number three, point number three. See your job as a ministry and a mission field to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like so oftentimes we think that there's a magical or weird divide in our work world and church. We think that they're secular and sacred. And for the Christian, there is no sacred, secular divide. It's all sacred. Everything you do is sacred. Everything you touch is holy ground because Jesus is with you. Everywhere you go is God's with you. So everything is sacred. It's not secular and say, well, I work for a bank and that's not church work. That's not ministry work. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. You have the opportunity and the ability to share Jesus Christ with the people you work with. The people you interact with. You have that ability. You have a mission field that I as your pastor can't get into. Some of you guys work for different companies. I can't walk into those places and be like, hey, everybody. Everybody sit down here and let's have a Bible study. I'm like, no, man, we're on a production line. No, we're, we're building fence. No, we're, we're putting signs up. No, we're, we're doing different things. No, we can't do that. But you're there and you're an ambassador. The scripture calls you an ambassador. You don't stop being an ambassador. You don't stop being an ambassador when you move to, move, get to a different location. If I'm the ambassador to America... I don't care. If I'm in Argentina, I'm still the ambassador to America. If I'm the ambassador to Chile and I go to America, I'm still the ambassador to Chile. You're an ambassador to the kingdom of God. So when you're in the shortstop, you're an ambassador to the kingdom of God in the shortstop. You're bringing the kingdom with you. Amen? Like that's your, you're an, you're, when you're in the school system, you're sitting in the schoolroom, teacher and student. You're an ambassador to the kingdom of God. And oftentimes we think that there's this, this, there's this divide. 
And we're all ambassadors. And we need to stop the, the divide and understand that, that all of the areas that we go to are sacred. All the places we invade are sacred. And we are to bring about the gospel to the, of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll never forget, first day I, I started my job at DSR, I started the tech support, terrified, failed the test, didn't think I was going to make it, 10 years later I'm still there, by God's grace. Um, first day they set me on the floor, they set me on John Mathis's team. You guys have met John Mathis, some of you in here. Sat down and I, the first thing I did is I, and they, he just cut, he, I sat down and he cussed at me. He said, man, why the, do they put you on my team? I said, I don't know, but we're going to have a good time. And I just leaned back about 20 minutes later and said, hey, brother, where do you go to church at? He goes, oh, you're one of those. I said, what do you mean by one of those? He goes, I'm an atheist. I said, well, I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes, you think I'm going to hell, don't you? I said, well, actually, yeah, I do. But you don't have to. You can repent of your sins and you can come to follow Jesus Christ. It'd be amazing. Amen. And for years, I sat with him and every time, like, I went on vacation. He called my personal phone one day and John said, hey, can you just tell me I'm going to hell? Well, you are, but I don't want you to. Okay, that's all I needed. Hung up. He drove from Ardmore, Oklahoma to Cedarvale, Kansas last year and sat on that back row right there where Tyler is. And sat here and blew my mind. And he, he always told me, he said, man, you, you, every time he leaves church, he's been to, he's been to church with me 17 times, counting the time he's been here. He's been to a church service where I've preached 17 different times. And he told me, he said, you're one of the coolest Christians I've ever met. You're not always trying to get money or trying to shove stuff down people's throat. You just, you genuinely care for me. I said, I do, John. I do care for you. I want to see you come to know Jesus. I love you. I actually love you. I've had more atheists who I work with come to church with me in the last 10 years than I could have. I would have never got that access to get those atheists to come to church with me if I was just doing ministry and that was it. I'm doing ministry at my job. I get the, I get the opportunity to pray with people that I normally wouldn't get to pray with. And people know that. And that's... We have 500 employees, and that is God around those 500 employees. They know that, man, if I need prayer, I'm going to call Caleb. Why? Because I've made myself available to I'm not trying to up here toot your mind horn and say, I just have my own experience. You have your experience. Talk about your experience. I don't, if I knew Aaron's experience at work, I could tell you more about Aaron. But I just know what's happening in my life because it's, it's happening to me. Right? You see what I'm saying? So... I've got all these atheists that I've got to invest and talk about Jesus with. In fact, one of them I got to be a part of when he actually gave his heart to the Lord. Like, that was awesome. I'll never forget that day. That was amazing. Like, we start to see, we start to see our workplace as a mission field. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ giving thanks through him to the Father. Whatever you do, wherever you work, like you could, it, it, we could change this thing from a rat race to a divine pilgrimage. You and I as an employee of a, or a business owner have the opportunity to be a missionary where we are that your pastor can't normally reach. You say, well, I'm retired. Caleb, what do I do now? You're going somewhere. You're doing something as a retired person. 
You're an ambassador and a missionary wherever you go. Well, I go to Walmart. Man, Walmart's awesome! I met my wife there. I've got to pray with dozens of employees because they can't leave their cashier station. <laughs> I've got a captive audience. Hey, Beth, what are you doing? I'm checking you out right now. Hey, how can I pray for you? Uh, well, actually, I'm struggling in this area. My son is here. Uh, you know, one of my favorite things to do as well is in, at uh, restaurants. When my waiter comes by, and I'll never, I've told you guys a little bit of this story, but my waiter, the waiter comes by and we're getting ready to eat. He says, hey, we're getting ready to bless this food. How can we pray for you? In fact, why don't you just stay here with us for a minute? We're tip, you're, you're, without, you're serving us. Sit down, grab a seat. Grab his hand, grab her hand. Father, in the name of Jesus, pray that you be with Tiffany or whoever. John, Jim, whoever my, whoever my server is. You have an opportunity to be an ambassador in the places where you work. When we, and when we begin to see, like I said, Colossians chapter 3 is when we get our eyes on Jesus properly, we start to see the world around us the way Jesus does. And we interact with our kids, with our spouses, with ourselves, and with, our, with the sinful world. We see it and act differently. And this is what happens when we see Jesus as glorious and mighty and majestic and the be- as the beautiful God that he is. We start to see the places where we go as a mission field and we start to say jesus i want to do your will whatever your will what's my what's your will that i be thankful here at this job you've got it do i not like my job no i don't necessarily like my job but god i know i'm working for you and you're going to position me and you're going to put me in a spot you're going to give me the desire to want to serve here god i pray that you do that i'm not willing but i pray that you be made that i be made willing make me willing to do what's right here and guess what Jesus will take you and move you in the direction you need to go. So that's what we, I mean, as we finish up Colossians 3, you know, we start Colossians 4 next week. Colossians 3, man, this has been an incredible journey to see God work through the pages of Scripture. And this is how we're to interact with one another. We're to forgive quickly. We're to love people well. We're going we're, we're to take care and disciple our children. We're to work heartily and work well for our employer. Like we're, and we're to see Jesus. And we get our eyes, what, we start in Colossians 3. If you've been raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. This this is where we live, guys. We live in a mindset to seek Jesus and Him alone. And when we see Him as the glorious God of the universe, and we see Him as the mighty, majestic King that He is, it changes how we interact and do our lives. So this is my heart's prayer for us as we finish Colossians 3, is that we would be men and women who are known for Knowing, pursuing, and loving Jesus above all else. And when the people see that, it can transform the world. But you've got to actively be engaged in this. And how do we do that? Getting this just from here into our hearts. Get the text off the pages by the power of the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to do what only He can do and get the text from the page to your heart. And when the text goes from the page to the heart, that's when your life transforms and you have the ability by the power of the Holy Spirit to transform the environment you're in. Amen? All right, let's stand together. You've been listening to a sermon audio resource 
from the ministries at First Baptist Church in Cedarvale, Kansas. We pray that this encourages you and challenges you on your walk this week with Christ. To find out more about what's going on at First Baptist Church in Cedarvale, you can go to our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist. Thank you and God bless.